it's funny we wanted to put an episode together about workflow and from the beginning we just started having technical difficulties we tried to call people and we just couldn't get connected and so it, it took a little while to really get the workflow on this episode going but i think by the end we put together something that we all enjoyed yeah hopefully you guys enjoy it so we're going to take care of some business and then we'll get right to it hey we'd appreciate it if you guys would reach out send us an email treethinkingpodcast at gmail.com if you guys have anything you want to hear about anything you'd like to us to discuss uh, we'd take any recommendations after all we enjoy these conversations but we also want to make them something that you guys want to hear about so uh, by all means reach out on instagram on facebook tell us what you want to hear about hopefully you enjoy the episode here you go This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional arboriculture advice and should never be relied upon to perform or direct arboricultural work. The Tree Thinking Podcast makes no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, or suitability of any information on this podcast will not be liable for any damages arising from the use of any information in the practice of arboriculture or tree work. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The podcast and its hosts are not to be held responsible for misuse, cited, and or unsighted copies of the content within this podcast by others. The Tree Thinking Podcast may not be reproduced or distributed without the express written consent of the Tree Thinking Podcast. What is the first thing you need to know about working in the field? Is it how to rake, haul brush, tie a knot, or just don't get hurt? I would say it's a mix of all of that and then some. We are looking for the place where safety, efficiency, knowledge, and grit meet. When the whole crew is on the same page and everyone understands the way the job's working. It's when you know when to hold them, know when to roll them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. On this episode of the Tree Thinking Podcast, we hold the line on safety, roll in some knowledge, walk with efficiency, and run with some grit in an attempt to work cohesively on the way of workflow. All right, <laughs> we're, uh, we're back again. And uh, this time we're going to talk a little bit about uh, workflow, how we get where we want to be on a job. You know, there's a lot that goes into this. We're trying to juggle a lot of different things and make it all work as efficient as possible. So we'll get into a little bit of all that and see where the conversation takes that. Uh, before we do that, though, let's introduce ourselves. My name's Andrew. Uh, Rob's here. Keegan. Jamie. And Corey. Right on. Welcome, Keegan. It's uh, Keegan's first time on the podcast, and he works with Rob and uh does knows a lot about workflow, so we thought I'd bring him on and uh, get into it with him a little bit. Right on. What do you? What's your position at Sperry? Crew leader. Crew leader. Yeah. Cool. We're lucky to have him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leading the flow. Yeah. Sweet. Well, what? I guess we'll uh, we'll get into workflow a little bit, but before we do that, let's uh, let's do some stories from the field. What What do you guys got? You said you had one, right? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, me and Corey, we had we had fun this week. Yeah, it was a, it was a good week. <clears throat> we uh, have a seasonal that we've been working with an awesome guy, uh, Garrett. 
Matter of fact, he was on in a little bit with the bad tree joke of the week. Oh yeah, you know maybe maybe we'll have to have that segment back. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, if you like that segment, tell us and we'll bring it back. Yeah, you know Garrett's the type of guy that just likes to joke around quite a bit, and we're having fun. How did how did it start? I'm trying to remember. No, it was you guys were talking about. I wasn't even connected on the yeah, sentence. Yeah, yeah, yep. So you you take it away from there because yeah, I yeah. wasn't even part of that. Yeah. So we were talking. He. So I I have a background in like church Bible stuff, right? I went to like a, kind of not a seminary school, but a, a Bible college, right? Mm-hmm. So I've read the Bible a couple times. And he was asking, what was he asking about? He was asking about John three sixteen, which is a verse you always see plastered on at like football games and stuff. And the reason it's plastered there is because it's the gospel and blah blah blah. And so he just asked me about that. And then Andrew pops in after we had that full conversation. I don't remember what you were doing. If you were, anyway, you, you pop in and you're like, I think he asked you what your favorite verse is. Yeah. He said, uh, if, if there's one verse, what verse comes to your mind? What's your favorite verse? Right, right. And I did not go to a Bible school, so I have no idea what any verses are. So my answer was Austin 316. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought it was going to yeah. be. Stone cold. Yeah. <laughs> the rattlesnake. <laughs> uh, which, like, blew his mind. He's like, oh, my God, we were just talking about, you know. Yeah. Well, it even goes back before that because all day long we had been having this Crazy conversation about what is consciousness. We're, uh-huh. We decided to go quantum. <laughs> we we yeah. went quantum. Yeah, and tried to figure out what reality is and are we all connected in some way. It was getting... Yeah. It was getting Theoretical physics. I missed those, yeah. those talks with you guys. Oh, man. We got yeah. weird. Yeah, it, and yeah, it was one of the weirder it was, ones. Yeah. It was, that was one of the weirdest conversations. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we touched on the meaning of life just for a moment. Um, just just touch, though. But so so then we start joking like, oh, my God, me and Corey must be connected. You know, it's our <laughs> it's the collective consciousness working through us. So, so naturally, we had to fuck with them. Yeah, so... Yeah. So then we uh, go back and forth and uh, text each other when he's not looking like, all right, what were they? It was like, Um, what it was is we were moving the truck, so we're driving by. It wasn't even a text. We're driving by, and I just wave him down like I had to tell him something. And I was like, real quick, I was like, your favorite animal is ostrich. Your favorite country is Latvia. And then what was the other one? Uh your favorite what, country is what, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. no, those those were the first two, and yeah. then after that it was Samoa and snorkeling. Which no, are... there was a third one. Oh, the favorite number is four. Yeah. Yes, yes. Favorite, favorite number, number is four, four. <laughs> and then, and so like all in like two seconds while we're driving by, and so we drive, we move all the trucks, and then we just start talking and hanging out, and uh, we do uh, a lot of times we'll joke around and we'll have like favorites. You know, we'll talk about favorites on the crew. Like, what's your top? You know, and then we'll just come up with, we've done hundreds of different topics. Oh, my God. And so, uh, was it you? You or Garrett was like, uh, favorite animal of all time, which just set us up perfect. It yeah. Was, oh, it softballed and, and it in. Yeah, he softballed it in. And so, I was like, oh, man, what is my favorite animal of all time? <laughs> I was like, Corey, I'll bet we're still connected. I was like, on three, give me your favorite animal. And we're both, <laughs> one, two, three. Ostrich. We did that with ostrich. We did that with Latvia. I fucked up the Samoa and the snorkeling. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, but, we just kept doing it all day. Yeah. And then on the way back <laughs> to the yard, so we uh, I text Eric, our supervisor, who's at the yard all day, and I was like, all right, 
<laughs> when <laughs> when we come in, ask about the day. I'll tell you the story about how me and Corey are connected, and then call us on our bullshit. And then be like, all right, then what's your favorite baseball manager from the 1980s? And we'll both say Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. But I think he caught us on that one. No, well, see, I don't, I don't think he did. No, Sean called us on our bullshit right away. Well, it's you know, Sean. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but the thing about Garrett is he kind of, he didn't say that's bullshit. He just got real quiet about it. You know what I mean? So if someone's going to call you on it, they're going to call you on it. But if they're kind of confused about what's going on, they're pr- they're probably gonna you know just kind of be looking weird and being quiet and not really bringing it up anymore. And so <laughs> I think we got them. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta we gotta bring it back on Tuesday. Yeah, just 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 lightly. Yeah. Well, wh- the the trick will be is we'll have to uh, bring up topics or like figure out ideas that he's like that he'll bring the topic topic up so you know we'll have to think of something for kayaking he's a big kayaker well you know so that when he brings a topic up we can make it seem like he it's his idea you brought it up Mm -hmm. there's no way we prepared for it right right you know so 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 where does that fit into the workflow uh just a great story oh nice (laughs) yeah this is story from the field so it's bringing bringing humor and fun to work yeah yeah, it's part of the flow that that makes a lot of sense we do we do a lot of that as well yeah well sure i think there's really something to be said for a third of your time is at work you know you you're gonna you work for a third of your time a third of your time is yours and a third of your time you're asleep you might as well have fun with that 30 year time that's at work. Yeah. You know, and if you're having fun, if you're joking, one, you're building camaraderie. So you and all your buddies are going to be on the same page a lot more when you're laughing and, you know, having a good time. And it's just building that team. And that's how you get the workflow is by having a strong team. Alternatively, you could absolutely hate what you do. I mean, that's, that's a pretty valid thing. And a lot of people do that. Let's just hate what we do every single second of the day. I think it's really important for people that like, have that approach where you're having a great time and enjoying it and it's fun and and you're you know joking around and and whatnot i think that's awesome and contributes so much but it's really important for people to uh stay focused on the task and be able to work and talk at the same time Mm -hmm. where that doesn't work is if it's the type of person that just like can't do multiple things at once and ends up just like talking to someone else that's trying to work yeah, you right. know, so so there. That's that's the flow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> definitely. And and I mean, it, there's a time and a place for it too. If you're doing something highly technical, um, mm-hmm. yeah. When you're about to take the top, you're probably not, you know, joking around about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and one thing that we do uh, on our crew is, if someone says radio silence, all conversation stops. So oh, if really? you got multiple crews working, and it could be for anything, there could be just a sketchy person approaching the job site. You know, there could be, you know, I'm about to send this big branch and I want to make sure everybody's focused. But if you just go radio silence, everybody immediately tunes into you. Yeah. Nice. Or Andrew's yeah. talking about, you know, consciousness. He'd be like, hey, radio silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it gets an- used on Andrew more than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but, but can you ever really silence the consciousness? <laughs> Yeah, I guess my story does have to do with workflow. It's about workflow being interrupted, kind of like, you know, like a wrench in the gears. And it was, uh, I was up in the tree today. It was a, a beautiful sunny day. We were all out there today and the big fir tree is pretty easy work. And my phone's kind of blowing up in my pocket. 
I'm like, oh, I must be on like a group text thread or something. And uh, so I get down from the tree and I look at it and it's a conversation about what kind of pizza we were going to have tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and someone had the audacity of suggesting <laughs> Thai peanut sauce on a pizza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it totally screwed up the workflow. It was, it was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. You can't, you can't see Jamie's face right now, but he is, he is a ghast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you take you take the Thai peanut sauce uh-huh. and you, you use that as the base. I don't know, man. Yeah, no, it, it's, it sounds <laughs> off. But let me tell you, then you, ta- uh, then you take some of that. It's not sriracha sauce, but the same brand as sriracha, they have... This stuff that has like little flakes in it, yeah, yeah, you know, and so you you put that on with the peanut sauce, yeah, and then you put a little bit of cheese, and then you put <laughs> bean sprouts, yeah. and you put like uh, chicken that's like almost barbecued, like you know Thai chicken. And you just put whatever Thai, like you know, I'll put like bell peppers cut up on there. <laughs> oh, so good. Well, so this prompted me to you know take a what we learned from Craig Bachman about professionalism, you know, and I decided to look up the word pizza and send it to you. And if I, if I may, I'm going to read the definition right now. (laughs) Pizza, a dish of Italian origin consisting of a flat round base of dough baked with a topping of tomato sauce and cheese, (laughs) typically (laughs) with added meat or vegetables. Yeah. They don't do tomato sauce in Uh, Italy (laughs) on pizza. Oh, really? No. No, yeah, yeah, it's totally different. <laughs> At least when I was there, I you can't find pizza like we think of pizza. Yeah, well, we're not in Italy. Somebody listening might be. Shout out to the Italians listening <laughs> to the podcast. Last I checked, though, this podcast is in America. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that'd be funny. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah you def- <laughs> you went full Craig Bachman on me, and <laughs> pulled out the definition, and put me in my pizza place. <laughs> You know. I think it's funny to have hard stances on things that don't really matter. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I'm not backing down from that. I eat anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, the great thing is as soon as you sent that and I started, you know, sending a text back that, you know, like, oh, you're going to go Craig Bachman on me with this, with that pizza definition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just... It was like we were having the same conversation on two different crews on the... You know, that, that was too much fun. Yeah. I could see you laughing. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... Any other stories from the field? I, I would say workflow starts when when you get out of bed, you know, for me. Because mm-hmm. that's, yeah. you know, some mornings I got my lunch together. Other mornings I'm scrambling to get it together, you know. And sometimes I got all my clothes ready to go. And other times I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to wear? Yeah. So, you know, that that's where it starts. And then I'd say one of the biggest things that we change in our operation is um, it used to be that we would print our work orders uh, the morning of, you know, we'd have someone go there early and then print the work orders out and then, uh, you know, assign them to the cruises they got there. But then we started doing that the day before. And you'd be amazed at how much nicer it is to be one step ahead. Yeah. yeah. not Because ha- then, you know, your printer ink runs out or, you know, something comes up to where it screws things up. And, and just being one step ahead and being prepared makes it to where the workflow just keeps flowing. It's when... When you're one step behind and, and you run into challenges because you're not prepared. And do you uh, do you tell your crews the night before like what job they're going to be doing the next day? Uh, what do you think, Keegan? Uh, they're usually printed out in the print office, out. and they nice. have the opportunity to go look and see what they're going to do for them. 
next day. That's pretty sweet because that was the one thing I hated about the private industry being a a, a, um, a crew lead. You know, not running any of the, the um, scheduling or anything. You never knew what you were getting into the next day. Like you could walk in that that day and you have this big gnarly removal, and it's like I wish I would have known about this. Like I could have prepared myself a little bit better. I, yeah. I just one I, less beer. One less beer. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have put that bourbon in my coffee. <laughs> or maybe I put would have put more. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I just like to like. I'm the type of person who likes to like visualize things the night before yeah. and kind of like get myself in a different kind of headspace before I you know go into something bigger. You know? And that's kind of the next step is actually getting all the trucks hooked up to the right pieces of equipment and getting all the gear that's necessary together. If you know you're going on a really phys- you know rigging intensive thing, then you're organizing your rigging bags and getting it tailored for that job. Holy shit, foresight! So, that's crazy. Man. <laughs> well, it, it that's the next step for us is to to really be preparing all the equipment, not just getting the work orders printed and informing the people, but then also preparing the equipment for the next day. So you're just one step ahead. You just show up and go. Yeah. Some, something I've, uh, a couple companies I've worked for have used is Google Calendar, and it's oh, awesome. Yeah. So I have, you know, weeks <clears throat> of the jobs that are scheduled. And the co- company I used to work for down in Southern Oregon, I was the crew lead, so I had, like, the bid, everything was on there. So I knew nice. three weeks in advance what I was going to be doing, you know. It makes a big difference. Yeah, sure. and it doesn't have to be that long, but that's a great tool to use. You know, you could sync all your crew leads onto Google Calendar and just have it on there. And for us, like, we, ha- we have a computer at the shop that's our shop computer that we print everything out of. And like Keegan was saying, some people do, and but not everybody in terms of, you know, the crew. You can kind of... It, if it if it's somebody that's going to check it out the d- day before and is preparing and getting things ready for the next day, you can just tell that they they're that much more invested in yeah you know doing a good job and being prepared and one step ahead and that makes a difference. You can kind of separates uh, people in terms of um, you know how that how their workflow goes. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of brings us back to the were you on the preparing for the daily ride episode. No, that was no. grits. Yeah, that that's right. That was grits. We uh we kind of got into that a little bit about one of the fun things to do also is to kind of nerd out on your gear the night before and you kind of start picturing the rigging you're going to need and you get it all, you know, in the right spot. You know, me I have like the the bins that I put separate stuff in so I'll have all my bins ready to go for the job the day before and yeah. Nice. It's one of the fun parts of it in my mind is is that prep work and the mentally preparing yourself and getting ready for it, you know. You sleep a little better. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. There's something to be said for being prepared. Yeah. Well, uh, we're kind of already out of the stories from the field, but Keegan, you got any stories about workflow or um, getting well, ready for it? Today was interrupted from the start. We were working right by campus. Uh, um, and somebody just parked a car under the tree we're, we're supposed to cut down <laughs> and uh, left for spring break. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so we um, ended up being able to use the bucket truck to cut the tree down, but all day, like, it was covered in sawdust, and there were other students walking by videotaping the car with our, <laughs> our truck in the background. It's just, like, not ideal, not the workflow you want, but... Yeah. Did you leave him some presents in the trunk? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little harder to nope. prepare for that. No scratches yeah. or anything like um, that, but. Bummer. Did you guys put, like, a tarp over it or anything? 
No, we didn't. Nice. Just yeah. went for it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we rig over stuff all the time, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's part of the deal. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's a pain in the butt, though, when it's something that could easily have been moved with a little forethought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's one thing if it's a shed with a cement foundation and you know, yeah. other thing if it has wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that, that's a, a good point to bring up. You know, even if you prepare the night before and you get everything set up, you never know how the job's going to change. And when I think about flow, you know, it's not just doing something. It's about being ready to change and being ready to work with the situation that comes, you know. Um, and problem so, solving. Yeah, problem solving. That's part of it. You show up at the job, things are going to be different. I mean, it's very rare that a job goes exactly like you imagine it and that's where a good workflow comes in when you know you're you and your team are ready to adapt on the move and so you just as those problems arise you just overcome them and get it done yeah it's interesting how some people when you when you give them their work orders they look at it and they're like yeah we could do this you know looks like an easy enough day other people look at the exact same work orders and be like we're screwed <laughs> we're totally screwed yeah. we're, not we're, screwed. Not, <laughs> we're not getting home till midnight <laughs> why would you do this to us? you know just a matter of perspective yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep so i guess uh let's get into the discussion of workflow a little bit um i don't know how would you guys define workflow you know, I mean, I guess it, it's a pretty broad term workflow. You know, there's you could probably go in a lot of different directions with it. It's the process of, uh, you know, performing a job. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that that's a good way to do it. I think, uh, yeah, the process of performing the job. And, you know, I, I also think there's something to like the, the way that a task is, you know, the job is done kind of with multiple people, like I'm doing this part and you're doing that part and how it all works together to accomplish this bigger project is, is one of the things I think of. One of the, one of the ways that I've heard tree work described by a lot of people like who are not in the tree world and who just kind of watch it, they say it's like, it's like a dance, like they're watching a dance. You'll see the guy with the rigging rope and he'll be all coordinated with the climber and he'll feed it into the chipper. And it's just kind of very, there's a very, uh, definitely a flow to it, and it's definitely like a rhythm to it. The whole, the whole, um, the job can have a rhythm when you're when you're you know firing on all cylinders and everybody's in their place and they know what they're doing. It's a rhythm, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That that kind of reminds me of a job I was doing last weekend. I think I talked about it on one of the other episodes, or maybe talked about bidding it. And it was those the big furs that I dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a pretty straightforward job. It's just falling you know, four big furs. Uh, they were, they are about to build a house in this area. They need to get rid of these trees. And is this old, or this guy that, you know, has been around a while. He's probably in his, you know, seventies or something, sixties, seventies. And so he didn't want to do the work anymore. He was, he didn't want to drop them. You know, he was fine cleaning up the brush. So it was as simple as just dropping them. And, even a job as simple like as that, it was me and my wife and then uh, the client, his name is Bear. And <clears throat> I, you know, would pull out the, you know, they're probably about 120 foot fir trees. So I brought the big shot, fire a shot up into the top, pull the rope through, you know, well, to start out, st- set up all my rigging, set up a two to one, 
on one rope. And then I had another rope because it was, there are big enough trees where I was using two ropes. And so I'd shoot it in, get it set, and then pull the other end, uh, tie, oh God, what is the name? Uh, Zeppelin bend. Yeah, we were talking about it the other day. Oh, tie a Zeppelin bend knot cool to, knot. to connect the two knots. And that way I already had the two to one all set up. So that then they would tighten it. I'd put the face in, drop it. And then uh, as, you know, as I was cutting down the rest of the stump, and untying the knot, they were untying the knot on the other end, pulling the rope free. I'd be shooting the line right about the time they got the work, you know, the other rope free. And it was just repeating this process, like a well-oiled machine is great. That's awesome. And that, you know, that is workflow. When you can, when you feel like you're just moving like a well-oiled machine, I'm doing what I need to do. They're doing what they need to do. You know, we walked over the whole thing before we started. And then after that, everybody just knew their role, you know, and I don't know. That kind of feels like workflow to me. Absolutely. I think you can get to a point in workflow where you don't necessarily have to communicate. Communication is important. Let me start by saying that. But you can get to a point in your workflow where you don't necessarily have to be communicating with each other. Like we, I've been on jobs where, you know, once we start getting into it, we don't really say, well, like we mm. joke around and stuff, but we don't really say anything work-wise to each other. We just do our roles and follow it through. Right, here we go. Yeah, that's exactly what comes to mind when I hear workflow is rhythm, mm -hmm. things just going smooth, everyone's doing their thing. That's exactly what comes to mind. I don't think of uh, interruptions, things happening. Yep. Um, <laughs> no, my, it, it's my, part of the process of doing a job, but it's not really the flow. Well, and I think so the difference in my mind is kind of what Keegan was saying. You know, that car got stuck there, and they were able to just work around it and keep flowing. Okay. But there's times where, you know, something comes up, and it just, the whole the whole job just goes to hell for whatever reason. And sometimes. Like, we need flaggers. Yeah. <laughs> no. And sometimes you might need flaggers. Yep. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to call the job. You know, that's a legitimate thing. Sometimes a chipper breaks down, and all of a sudden, hey, you're hosed. Exactly. But, you know, the workflow might be, you know, getting the, okay, how fast are we going to be able to get those flaggers? Can we pull a couple guys with certified flaggers off another crew and get them over here? Can we, you know, is that problem solving maybe? There's, uh, you know, as, as our company has grown, um, now we're running, you know, four or five crews on a regular basis. And we help each other at the end of the day. You know, we all communicate throughout the day and we're all in the same uh, you know, have the same texting platform to where we can just WhatsApp each other and, uh, and get help. And, and that really helps with the workflow because you'll have a big job at the end of the day. It might be a couple thousand dollar job, but then you got 15 people that all show up to this job and you got like five climbers and you know, or 10 climbers and whatever, you know, whatever. And it just freaking like a, swarm of locusts that just cruise through the freaking property and tear it up and that's some serious workflow yeah. Yeah. at the end of the day when everybody's like it's that last push that is you know awesome. that's just like woof you get get it done and everybody feels good because you accomplished the goal of getting all the jobs done and it's just a camaraderie when when uh the crews come to help each other yeah the the two times where i feel like you get that good workflow is first thing like that power hour the first hour yeah. in the morning when you're rolling you know, you it, and people are just firing on all cylinders. And then the other time is at the end of the day when the finish line's in sight. And all of a sudden, you know, people aren't joking. Nobody's trying to make, you know, trick someone into thinking that they're telepathic. You know, everybody is just doing their job, head down. The rakes are moving. Whatever needs to be done is being done. And, you know, that's when you're when you're 
cooking with gas, yeah. you know. So communication's important of workflow. What's like a a tip or something like what do you guys do to like help set the tone and start the workflow? Like just show up on the job, do the walk around, now it's time to get going. Or even during the walk around, maybe that's when you know you're setting the tone of the job. I, I think that's what it is. I think it's uh setting the tone when you first show up. And a good way to do that is to assign, you know, be like, all right, I'm going to be climbing. I'm going to have you running the lower down. You guys make sure that brush is moving, you know, make sure everybody knows what they're doing. That way, if something's getting jammed up, you know who to talk to, you know, even if it's not their fault, you know, even if they're getting swamped by too much brush, be like, Hey, do you need more? You you know, you need a hand getting more of that brush moved or should I slow down or, you know, and then finding that pace, you know, where, if you're, if you're climbing, you're probably the person setting the tone, especially on like a big removal, you know, there, it, are you sending big chunks down that, and you're swamping the ground where they can't keep up, you know, or are you not st- sending enough down? If people are just standing around, maybe you need to be getting brushed on the ground faster. Yeah. You know, so that, that, that m- I think is kind of how you set the tone. Yeah. And I think I think with setting the tone, it's it also comes with experience because you're not necessarily um, you can't really set the tone if you don't really know what's going on. Because I remember when I was first like getting into this industry, it was it's kind of hard. You you feel really like a fish out of water, right? Mm-hmm. But if you know like what the job entails, like you know, first we do this, then we do this, then we you know do this, right? And we, you just know the how the process is going to proceed and what needs to happen next. You can kind of anticipate that, and then you can be there and ready for it when that next thing happens, kind of thing. That that you could even use that as like an analogy of an approach to a tree mm-hmm. and pruning a tree. You know, it's like you you map you're mapping out where you're going to be climbing to, what you're going to be cutting back to before oh, yeah, you yeah. even climb. And that usually changes. Once you get up there, you're like, oh. oh, God, what was I thinking on the yeah, ground? This can be ways. That's, that's I can actually get there, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But there's definitely <laughs> a workflow yeah. through a tree. You yeah. know, and that's the interesting thing about it. And I guess that's what I was getting at when the, in the beginning of this is workflow is, can be in a lot of different ways. You know, mm-hmm. when I was, uh, we were get, I was getting ready for this, I, you know, just Googled workflow. And it was talking about data transferring through a system. You know, it's like, oh, that's interesting because I've never thought about it as data transferring through a network. Well, it's it's not data; it's tree limbs. Exactly. Well, you know what? Yeah, you know, we are the computer. We are the network. We're transfer. The, you know, the limb is the data. <laughs> how how efficient of a computer are you running? <laughs> I, I'm a Mac from the '80s. But yeah. yeah, but and it's the same thing. You know, you might be you might be the data moving through the canopy. You know, you're hitting all those spots, getting all the deadwood. Okay. You know, looking at the tree, okay, I need to get weight reduction here. I need to get a little building clearance there. We got some deadwood at that part. What's the most efficient path to hit those spots? Mm-hmm. You know, send up the Ethernet cable and we're going to need to hack into this trunk. <laughs> right, link, link up, everybody. Link up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, kind of going back to what you're talking about, lining it out, I guess uh, you're. Uh, crew leader at Sperry, how how do you line out a crew when you show up at a job? How do you put everybody, you know, get get everybody going in the right direction? I usually just do a walk around with all the other uh, people on the job, climbers and or grounds people, and try and just kind of ask them what they might want to do or feel comfortable doing, and then yeah. uh, 
try and let everybody do something that they want to do at least. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. If you put people in a comfortable position, you're putting them in a spot to succeed. Definitely, and I think as a crew leader or a climber, just like trying to always move quickly when you are on the ground, it sets a good example and shows people that you expect them to move quickly without having to ever say anything. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's huge. I always do that before I say something. It's like, okay, I'm going to hustle now. So, yeah. yeah. Take the take the cue, guys. Yeah, <laughs> let's, exactly. get, let's get Another these rings nice out. <laughs> asking people what they want to do instead of telling them what they're going to do is you can have somebody that's the hot shot climber, but everybody has an off day yeah. where yeah. they're not yeah. really wanting to do it. But you also don't want to say no right. if someone asks you to do something, you know. So right. it gives people opportunities to maybe push their uh, – like there might be somebody that you never thought would want to climb something like that, but then all of a sudden they're saying, no, I want to give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You right. know, and, yeah. and, and take, have that self, self-initiative is, is actually the best way to do it instead of being told what to do, I think. Yeah. yeah, knowing people's like skill set too. Like I know you really shine on like end weight pruning or something. You mm-hmm. know, getting out on the tips and you know, you can chunk down big wood. So you're gonna go over here. Like, yep, that'd yep. be huge too. Yeah, Definitely. and I, I I like how you said that because you're kind of pumping them up. And you're like, man, you're a badass uh, <laughs> limb walker, and we got to get out there and get that wood. Yeah, and then you know that person's gonna be like, right on, man. That guy's got confidence in me. Yeah. I'm gonna freaking show him what I can do. You know. Yeah, that, that's a great way of setting the tone, pumping up your team and getting them, you know, invested in w- not only what you're doing and the job, but, you know, just being there. Yep. One thing I like doing with flow, especially on a big spread out property, is I like to keep things tight. It's yeah. something I kind of had to learn to do as a crew leader because sometimes I'd be like, oh, let's just try to, like, you're there doing that tree. I'll be here doing this tree. But it's like, it takes a while and some experience, but you know what's going to come out of the tree after a while. You know how many people are going to be there to, to keep the flow going. People aren't standing around and stuff, but you can keep it pretty tight. Yeah. We're going to get this done and tidy up. You know, Maybe it's two trees here, and then we'll move on from there. But I think that was huge in kind of learning how to, how to do that. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, that was one of the early mistakes I made as a crew leader. I would... I would just, I wanted to get so much done. Yeah. And so you'd have your grind guy in the front yard. I'm like, hey, I dropped all this brush. You know, I'm going to go start on that removal in the backyard. Yeah. By the time, it's not the way to do it. By the time he's back there, you've completely swamped him. And now you both have everyone's two hours of brush to clean. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's actually really good advice is don't swamp your ground guy. Oh. Because that'll make it less efficient in the end. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. And you'll find yourself just sitting around waiting. Yeah. And, and that, you know, and you think you're such a badass because you're like, look how fast I can do it. You know, I'm ripping through this removal. I'm going to get this thing down in less than an hour. And then the ground guy's just like, oh, my God, it's going to take me four times as long to clean this up. Well, what I was going to say is when I think of flow, that's the opposite of flow. Mm-hmm. Because when you're just bombing brush down, your ground guys are just standing watching. And then while they're cleaning it up, you're just sitting in the tree watching them. Yeah. You know, that's not you guys working together. That's you swamping them and then them, like, trying to recover while you while you swamp them again, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that's great. something, as a climber, I think about is how, how, ma- how many people do you have on the ground and what all do we have going on? It's like there are times where, yeah, just make a salad, rain it down because you've got yeah. five guys on, or five people yep. on the ground who can clean it up. Right. Yeah, like which sometimes is fun. It's you and one other person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's a uh, well. Let's rig these down. Let's you know make it fun and clean and easy to get that to the chipper. Yeah. That's what we did. We, me and Keegan were on a big old uh, Atlantis uh, removal, and it was just a hell access. I mean, it was eight feet of blackberries, 
all kinds of stuff around. It, it was really bad. But um, from the looks of it at the beginning of the job, they're like, no, we're not getting this done. You know, then we need to come back for sure. But then uh, we had a bunch of people come at the end of the day. And previous to that, we'd swamped the brush down because we had to to actually physically be able to get it down. But then the end of the day, tons of people came and we had eight people all that just is, hauling freaking yeah. brush out of there and we cleaned the whole trip in like an hour. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. You know, so it it, it 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 works out different every time, but you just have to kind of know what you're anticipating. And, well, Definitely. and understand the resources you have at hand. You, you know, I'm guessing you knew that there was another crew that would yeah. be able to come and help you. So you were able to be like, all right, man, I'm going to swamp you, but the, the cavalry's on the way, you yeah. know. And so understanding those resources goes a long way. And and touching back on the whole, like, you think you're a badass because you're burying your, your grounds person. That used to be such a, like, w- me, when I was coming up in the, in the industry, a lot of the climbers that I worked for, they had that mentality. Oh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm not a badass climber unless my grounds person is, like, fucking hating his life. And that is just the way they looked at it. And that's it's the way so true. That, that they were taught, and they, yeah. didn't, they didn't know any better. And it was was awful and i vowed when i became a climber i will never do that <laughs> yeah. my, and I've, I've done it but one yeah. piece at a time one yep. piece, yeah. at a one time. piece at a time i love setting up rigging and i'll like you know base my plan on how many people i have on the ground you know like if it's just me and one other person and the, it's the right situation a controlled speed line is awesome oh, to yeah. get the brush to the oh chipper yeah the one ground guy's not you know hauling brush up a hill or whatever getting swamped it's just or even for wood, like that removal, that fur that Andrew cut down. Oh, yeah. yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. yeah. That, and you had a huge crew. You could have just bombed it down. <laughs> We're well, all standing there on that one, I couldn't really bomb it down, no, no, no. you know, because yeah, there's yeah, the uh, buildings underneath. But, yeah. but I was kind of bombing it down because I was sending, I mean, I think I had like 10 or 12 zipline straps oh yeah it yeah, was big on there bundles yeah. of limbs so i was sure. able to like send down giant brush piles at a time and then and they were gone in a minute yeah. you know, because because of that flow yeah it was yeah. Cool. that was a that was a great well, it was because Corey and becca showed up yeah no. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the, the flow kicked it up well and <laughs> it, it was the flow i mean that was a great example because we had you know i was up in the tree sending these giant uh mass amounts of brush down and then we had a team that was there or, you know, then I had Lacey was running the GRCS, you know, sending them down. And then I had a team of people that would just boom to send on it and yep. move it. How do you guys uh, feel about cell phones? Um, on the job sites, because it's interesting. I mean, I find myself on the phone all the time. I'm talking to work related yeah. things, but yeah. it, I think it depends on the person and if they can tough. handle that responsibility with a cell phone. Mine doesn't I've, come out often. Yeah. Okay, so you're you just it's in my pocket, and then I get down from the tree and I look at messages, and then I forget to text everyone back or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, except for the one time when you decide to check, and then it's just it's about pizza. pizza. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. I, I'm fired up. Yeah. Oh, it's go time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm taking my lunch break. Guys. <laughs> Chicken does not belong on pizza. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I think it does. It does depend on the person. Like I'm the same way as Jamie. I don't really check my phone if I'm up in the top of the tree, uh, but. I've known some people who just cannot handle the responsibility. I've had some coworkers who would sit there and be on their phone while they're 
supposed to be flagging or they're supposed to be feeding the chipper. Yeah, and yeah. that's a huge safety liability. And it's, yeah. But again, it's, it's about responsibility. And it's about the job also. Yeah. And, you know, uh, if, you're, if, you, if you're trying to have a good workflow, you know, you probably shouldn't be on the phone. You know, the if, centers are cool because if it, you know, you connect to your center and if it's a phone call from, you know, yep. the boss or wh- whoever, you know, something important, you can answer it while, you know, yep. keeping the flow going, I guess. Yeah. For me, I find myself uh, on the phone when there's not a workflow more. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's when I'm like checking my messages or looking at stuff is when, you know, there's not really a workflow on the job and just, you know, when we're just doing little, little stuff and it, you know. And that's, I think, part of the value of creating a good workflow is it doesn't give you time for that. How do you recognize when you're kind of trying to push the river instead of flowing with it? There's, there's times when you want to get it done, but you are you just keep running into problems. It, you know. Yeah, yeah. What What's the key to kind of turning that job around? No, knowing when there's a safety issue. Mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, that's when I shut jobs down. Yeah. And I've shut plenty of jobs down and gotten what we needed, whether it be different equipment, whether it be flaggers, whether it be um, just it's not the right time to be doing it just because I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Knowing when to stop is important because it's easy to get stubborn and just say, no, I'm going to work through this. I'm just going to, you know, take the chance. Yeah. And and having the judgment call. You know, knowing when to make that judgment call. Yeah, that that is an important one. Yeah, I guess a safety issue. What other problem could, you know, under neighbors? Under, yeah, under neighbor yeah. conflicts. Yeah, neighbor conflicts. That you know the. Those are both really good ones. I let's go with uh, underbid first, because that's an interesting one. Because there's a mentality. Yeah. That's what it is. You yeah. know, it's like in your head, it, the work is exactly the same. But, you know, that's a tough one, how to get everybody on the same page. Yeah, this uh, this profession is such a mind game. And it's all, it's. I've always said, it's all what's going on in your head. It's not really what your body's doing or what, really what the workflow is. I, th- I think it really boils down to what each individual person brings onto that job site, whether it's the intangibles or how they're feeling that day or how they slept the night before that will really set the pace for that entire uh, mm-hmm. entire day, right? That that's a, you know, that will definitely set the tone. But how do you I guess how do you turn it around? And you know, on an underbid is a tough one cuz if someone if someone shows up and they didn't sleep well or they got in a fight at home or something like that, they're, you know, that that's a them problem. Right. But when it's a bad bid, that that's an interesting one to me because it can kill the morale. It can. Yeah. And how do you turn that around? How do you I mean I on cruise when I was, you know, and we frequently were under bid cuz that's just how our company operated, but uh when I was on those, I would try to do it with humor. That was the best way that I found to do it. You know, just start laughing at the shit. He said, you know, it's raining, it's pouring, we're all miserable and we're got to be here till you know well after dark and this is an awful job and we're not making nearly enough money and we're going to get streamed out at later <laughs> yeah <laughs> but really know, funny stuff really funny yeah. stuff yeah <laughs> but you just, you just kind of have to uh, key into the humor about that you just have, at, at a certain point you just have to start laughing i remember this one job and it was just it was miserable um we were it was a bunch of giant sequoias that we were removing and we were just dropping all this brush and 
our boss wanted us to just drop all this brush and then he'd come through with like a loader or something later and something went haywire. We didn't get the loader. And so we had to chip it all. And it was, it was this awful thing. And at some point I just like dropped everything and I just started laughing. Like yeah. just fucking like <laughs> hysterically. <laughs> hysterically. Yeah. Just, yeah. just started laughing. Cause like putting like, Joker face paint yeah, on. Yeah, I like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I completely lost that, but I just, yeah, I, I was just at the point where like, you know, we can't, it can't get any worse and it's kind of funny as it is. So, you know, why not just laugh at it? It's, so how, how'd the crew react? Uh, not well. Some of them. Oh uh, yeah. W- one of them, uh, I mean, he had he had some other issues, and he yeah, it was it, that was a totally separate story. But some of them were like, you know, okay, yeah, maybe it's not so bad. So it kind of did help. It it didn't help. It depends on the person. Yeah, um, yeah. And this one person didn't react to it really well, but some of the other ones, it was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, okay, this guy's losing his mind. That's great. Yeah, and <laughs> someone else to laugh at instead yeah. of you know my misery. I I think that goes into understanding the people that you're on the crew with and understanding how different people on that crew react it's it's illogical for people that are working for an hourly wage to be upset because of an underbid it just doesn't it's not logical if if employees or you know people that are working for a company understand that you can have great bids and the company can be losing money or you could have bad bids and the company is making money it's more complicated than that i don't think that employees fully understand the big picture of what makes a company profitable. And so it, to me, it's illogical for people that are getting paid hourly to be bummed out that it's going to take them longer Yeah, because that's just going to mean that they're going to be working longer and making more money. Yep. Yeah. You know? And, and they don't understand the fact that you can have low bids and still be operating really profitably. You yeah. can have high bids and be operating, operating not very profitably at all. That, that was another thing that we would always say, you know, we're paid by the hour. Like that's, yeah. it's, it's a cliche, but like, that's what we're, that would kind of be some, one of our mantras on those underbid jobs. It was like, well, we're paid by the hour. You know, yeah. It sucks, but I get it. But it, it can be defeating when it's like, oh yeah, this job's, you know, four hours and you got the next one after that's, you know, three hour job or whatever. That's And true. you go there and you get there and it's like, oh, this is a six hour job. Yep. It's going to make it to where I'm late for my date with my wife. You know, yeah, that yeah, yeah. That's, that's logical. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where it's, the it's, bum, bummer comes from. Yeah. It's funny yeah. though. I, we used to hire someone for maintenance, pretty much full-time maintenance, you know, and uh, he would get pissed off when people would break things <laughs> and it's his job to fix them. So if nobody ever broke anything, then he wouldn't have a job, but he's upset because people break things. It's like some people are just like that. Yeah. yeah. Having you been know. in that position though, I, I can, I can sympathize with that because some things, man, like the way that they break some things, it's just like, come on, use your, Use common sense. <laughs> just, just, just a little bit of common sense. Yeah, but you're getting paid to I, fix it. I know, it. You but know, it's, it's like, still, it's still that, like that, I wouldn't have to be fixing this if you had just not, you know, run that chain backwards. That, But that's like you if someone a different job. Then. I, yeah. yeah. yeah no, <laughs> that, because true. that's getting pissed because someone's bringing you work. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the phone's ringing. Damn it. That damn phone. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a fair but, you know, I think, a, I think a good way to do it also is to kind of try to, you know, if you're the crew leader in that moment, is try to develop a us-against-the-world mentality. Like, it's all right, man, things are going wrong, the bid might be wrong, but we're going to freaking crush it and we're going to do the best we can because you can't hold this crew down. 
you know, you can't hold us back, man. We're going to freaking, we're going to show them that they can give us a bad bid and we're going to turn that shit around, you know. I, I always tell people it, it, it always works out, you know. When was the last time it didn't work out in the end? Yeah. You know, yeah, you might not have made it to your date, you know, but it worked out. Okay, so what it you sounds know. like is it's like the crew leader's mentality, right? That could really make it suck or make it go. Okay, so what if you have this crew leader who's just furious that it's underbid and he's going to miss that date with his girlfriend or whatever at the end of the night? Well, What's the best way to handle that? Yeah. yeah. So how, how do you? I believe leadership can come from any level. You don't have mm-hmm. to be the crew leader to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You can be the guy hauling brush. Because if you're the bottom of the totem pole and your mentality is I'm going to outwork everyone around me, that's going to have a a positive effect on getting that job done. Because they're going to, you know, if you're the if you're the crew leader, if you're the main climber and you're just moping around and you look down and the kid you just hired to haul brush is freaking pumping it up and, you know, getting the whole crew going. That's going to get you fired up. You're going to be like, holy smokes, you know, I, I better up my game. You know, so I think I think that's, you know, no matter what position you are, you do your job as good as you can, and try to outwork everybody on the crew. Yeah, and and not to be a downer about it, but I I, I totally agree with you, but I think it's it's a lot easier for somebody to bring a crew down than it is for somebody to bring the crew up. I think of the analogy of like if one person is standing on a stool in the middle of a room, it's a lot easier for everybody around him to pull that person off than to for him oh, to lift yeah. somebody up onto the stool. And that's just, but, but I'll take that analogy. Think about that stool. Yeah. You build that stool. Mm -hmm. You can like make that stool out of thin air with your attitude alone. Yeah. So if you're the low guy on the totem pole and you, you, you show everybody else how to build that stool and get up on a stool, then you're not pulling people up onto your stool. You're actually showing them like, you can and make a stool your own. Stool. Yep, I got my, you know, yeah, this, this is how you get up on a goddamn stool. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. And, and that's the difference between you and me, Andrew. You're the, you're the optimist, I'm the eternal pessimist. It's human exactly. psychology, though. The thing is, is that it, it's just like if you do a job for a client and they're unhappy, they're going to, it's the rule of nine. So they'll tell nine people that they're unhappy. If you do a job for a client and then they're happy or lucky if they tell one. People just have like a pessimistic Kind of human psychology is just kind of like that. It, it. Yeah, but if you do a good enough job, they'll t- it'll get the word will get out, and that one that referral that goes so much further. That like, doesn't change the fact of the rule of nines, though. I mean, that's I think that's yeah, but like but proven. But it's kind of like you can have a bad job and the company can still make money, or you can have a good job and they're still losing. It, it's yeah. a lot deeper than that, you know. Like because if if you hear from somebody like man. Sperry came out and they crushed it. They were such a good company. You know what I mean? Because the reason the reason that is is because if someone's upset, they're just looking for uh, they're just looking to complain. All it's going to take is how was your day? Oh man, it was horrible. I I had this tree company out and they just couldn't hack it and they broke my shed. You know they're gonna people will unload their drama on you, right? But if you're if someone goes to you and is like. Hey, I needed some tree work done. Uh, do you know any companies? If that person is like, oh my goodness, I had Sperry out and they crushed it. They did a good job. They were super respectful. That is going to carry 10 times the weight that the one person being like, oh, I'm having a horrible day. Yeah. This tree crew, the, the guy wasn't an asshole to me. And, you know, so I think that one referral is, has, carries a lot more weight 
than somebody complaining. Because what's the other thing that happens when someone starts complaining to you? You just start tuning them out. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I'd kind of jump off on that and say that uh, we are pessimistic creatures, like by nature. I just that's the way I look at the world. But with that pessimism, we kind of tune out all the other pessimists. So yeah, they tell nine people, but none of them really clue into that. But the one person who actually hears the positive is like, oh okay, that's that's pretty. Yeah, no, I, I I base my like, I hear about different companies in town whom I don't know, mm-hmm. and I base my opinion on them on what in large part you guys tell me right yeah. you know and that's that's my perspective of who they are mm-hmm. if, whether it's good or bad either way i'll remember probably about the same right mm-hmm. but if i don't if i've never don't have any personal experience i'm just gonna trust you for your word yeah right yeah you know and and it's a but more people are vocal about negative things than yeah. positive things yeah and, definitely unless unless you're a positive person you know, and, and there's a lot of positive people out there like Andrew. Well, and yeah. that goes back to, yeah. though. <laughs> there's, yeah. That goes back to. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> give them something good to say. And then you don't got to worry about it. Don't give them something bad to say. You know, uh, give them that positive experience. And to, to kind of go back to kind of lifting people up, uh, I got a, a little story to tell. Oh, no. Yeah. Back when it was quite a while ago. I had I'd been working for a couple years, you know, and uh, I was on, we were in the middle of this big windstorm, or not the middle of the storm, but the middle of the cleanup from the storm. And there was a bunch of down, uh, this property, it was tons of down furs in their backyard. It was the 2001 windstorm. And uh, do you remember Eric? He was a Marine that worked with us. Eric the Marine? Yeah, Eric, he was a Marine that worked with us. And then he went and worked with Rich Holmes after he, up in Corvallis after he left Sperry. Anyways. No, I don't remember. He uh, he was with us for a few months, and we were, there was this big pile of logs that we had to haul to the front yard. And they were probably like six to eight foot fur logs, you know, with a, you know, six inch diameter. You know, just enough so you could, like, get one up on your shoulder and run it around through this big backyard out to the front where, and then load them into the truck. And we had been doing storm cleanup for a couple weeks, and I was exhausted, you know. And uh, this guy, you know, me and him are just moving these logs. And he could, he could tell that I was just not into it at all. But he knew, I, you know, we'd always compete with stuff. He knew I was a very competitive person, you know. So uh, he sees me, and we're taking a little break, sitting by the, you know, sitting by the wood and, like, He's like, you know, I'll bet I could move more of those logs than you can before <laughs> the end of the day. And like, just instantly, we it was a game, you know. And like, he tricked me, you know, because yeah. like he saw that I was down, I was tired. It, you know, you know, I wasn't complaining about it. I wasn't sitting there like, God damn, you know. But he was just like, you know, I'm going to change the mentality here. And from then on, it was like can I carry two on my shoulder and run, can, you know, and we were just going and, you know, by the end of the day, I could swear I moved more than him and he could swear that I'm, he moved more than me, you know, and we, but we talked to, I remember talking about that, you know, for a while afterwards, like, no, nah, man, I got more logs than you did guaranteed, you know, and that's a great example of, you know, somebody that, you know, he wasn't a crew leader. We were just the two guys carrying the logs, you know, but he saw like, you know, this guy's starting to lose his energy. Uh, I know he's a competitive dude, and I know how to get him going. 
you know, and whether that was on purpose, I, I think it was, you know, but, uh, one way or the other, it worked. And, and that's what I'm talking about. He gave, he showed me how to get up on a stool, you know, did he give you your own stool or did he lift you up onto his? That's the question. I think he gave me my own. You gave your own <laughs> yeah, because right. I've used that trick on many times with many other people. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you, you made your own stool, yeah. Yep, he showed me how. <laughs> That's no, interesting. No stool sharing here. <laughs> I think that um, I think that understanding, <laughs> understanding who you're working with and what motivates them and what they, um, what I don't know, it's like the, Different people have different tolerances for humor or for being serious or for being an asshole or for, um, you know, how people conduct themselves mm-hmm. and being able to gauge what works for different people and be able being able to kind of shift your behavior to, you know, mesh with the people that you're working with so that you're both kind of not going outside of that comfort zone yeah on the same job you, know? you might you might approach it a totally different way if you have a, a different crew mm-hmm. the, your mentality your you could act exactly the same with two different people one person's gonna have a great time the other person's not gonna have fun at all right yeah you know so and that that's like asa in the morning he's got 16 people that he's like mixing and matching on all these different crews trying to figure out who he should be putting with each other based on their personalities and based on their skill sets. If you only did it based on their skill sets, it would be setting people up for failure because the personality clashes. Right. And if you only did it for personality, then you'd be setting them up for failure because of skill, you know, problems. You send six groundsmen on a, a (laughs) (laughs) who's going to climb it. Yeah. Personality. That's a big one. Like I think it is. Some of the coolest, like most fun jobs where the workflow, everything was on point was when I was with all, all my friends, you know, these, yeah. are, these are yeah. my buddies that yep. I'm doing this job with. Like we know each other so well, we know where we shine, where we don't and everything's flowing. So personality, that's a big one. That's, that's huge. That's like that fir tree removal that yep. we keep bringing up. Yeah. And it's because we were, oh, we, we were having so much, <laughs> and, so much fun and we were all friends, you know, yeah. like yeah. Becky and Corey, I ended up giving them some money. Because they came and helped us, but they didn't show up expecting money. They just heard that we were all together doing some tree work, and they're <laughs> yeah. like, "Without us, nice try." Giant, you know? giant fur in the backyard. Zipline controlled speed line. What? Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't finish up our cottonwood in the morning fast enough. We're like, hey, we got to get over there, man. We got to get over there. Yeah, and and that I think there's a big part with personality there. Okay. Let's get back to something you said before I forget. The the neighbors. That aren't getting along. Oh, yeah. Well, hang, hang before we go there. Okay. Which I want to talk about that. But I, I mean, I just don't want to forget it. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually, we um, we get our workers' compensation from SAFE, uh, you know, Oregon uh, Workers' Comp. Um, and their CEO came out um, to, to observe a job that we were doing just because we work closely with them and, and you know, have a good relationship and they like to come out and check out what we do. And I was talking to their CEO, Carrie, and um, I was saying, man, you, you know, everybody that I've met at Safe Corporation is just an awesome person. You know, they got really good personalities. And I was like, what do you, what do you like, how do you hire them? You know, had like, what's your secret? He was like, basically there's three things. There's communication, 
relationships and problem solving. If they have yeah. those three skills, if they can communicate, they can maintain a relationship and they can solve problems. He's like, I can teach them the rest. But if they have those three qualities, then they'll make it, a, you know, in our business. So, you know, that's something that I've always kind of taken with me. And, and as I'm hiring or uh, firing, you know, you think about those three things. And if, if someone doesn't have, like, just doesn't at all have that at all, it's probably a, a yellow flag. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And if they ha don't have, if they have like two or like even just one of those things and like they do it really well, but they have these other shortcomings in those other areas. Two yellow flags. Two yellow flags. Yeah. yeah. It's like Craig was saying, Yeah, you know, if you get too many yellow flags that, you know, you get three yellow flags, that's a red flag. Or two yellow flags yeah. in this case. Or yeah. Yeah. One. I yeah. just figured that'd be good to throw in there with the whole personality thing. Yeah, that's, that, that's big time. And you know? uh, at the city, that's something that they, you know, years ago, they were just hiring for, they were just trying to get the best, you know, technically the best at their position uh, that they could. And then they also started having a bunch of, uh, you know, conflict between these really skilled people, but they couldn't, you know, they were having trouble there. You know, and this isn't just urban forestry. This is throughout okay. the city that, you know, is the, the kind of, the idea was like, hey, we're going to get the best of the best here. And they've actually rolled that back and they've started hiring people that, you know, know what they're doing, but they make sure that they hire people that can get along and have personalities that are, you know, they like to be around. You can hire the best of the best, but they might be an asshole and they might be hard to work with and they might make everybody else hate their job. Yeah, We, we did an informal thing when I applied yeah. at the city, went through the formal process, but then you guys invited me back for coffee just to get a feel from where you're like, well, you're an idiot. You did really bad <laughs> on the, the, the yeah. interview. Yeah, we, did, we didn't use those words. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean you're not fun to be around. <laughs> yeah, relationships, that's, that's, that's big. Yeah, And that's what creates the flow. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's, all, it's all part of that give and take. You know, it's, in, it's interesting because we were talking about how this, how, how we're having a hard time finding flow in this episode. Yeah. But this is such a, like, such a, I don't know, Nuanced. common denominator in any successful business is being able to have workflow. If you don't have workflow, then you're just either hating your job or you're not succeeding in, like, being able to get it done very well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, what I noticed with this episode and the kind of flow of it is when I was looking at the the bulletin or our outline and like, okay, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what we're, okay, what about flow? Okay, what about, it wasn't flowing. But then when we just start talking, it just opens up. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, because I think we were trying to do something different with this episode. You were trying to stick a, a little bit more rigidly to our outlines instead of just kind of letting us freeform it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't intentional. No, no. It was just, I think that's what was happening yeah. at the beginning where, you know, we were just keying in on these bits. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, we'd talk, we'd, like, answer the question. And then be, okay, now what? Now uh, Well, we had, we checked the box. I mean, we did it. And, we did the thing. And that's the thing. It, You know, that's the un intangible of flow. Mm -hmm. Is it's not checking the box. It's that ongoing back and forth and, uh, you know, that creates... You know, it, yeah, you're playing music. You're not playing the note. <laughs> the spark that starts the flame. <laughs> All right. So neighbors. <laughs> yeah. 
we we've all been at that job where neighbors are just going at it. Oh my god! And that's what I mean. Talk about you know screeching to a halt. And I would say not even neighbors. Sometimes it's the homeowner themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. husband, wife, or yeah, yeah, yeah husband, wife, or maybe they're just you know. You were for whatever reason they went with your bid, but they're still chapped about it for yeah. Or they ha- they don't understand the bid at all. There you go. Yeah, you go. very common. People just walk into it, they read it, they don't really know what it means, and you show up and you try and explain it to them in a scientific manner, and they still have no idea what it means. And then you start working, and they just get angry or yeah. I like so you're gonna retrench the tree. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Where, okay. Where's the trench at? <laughs> Is that on the roots? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you were pruning the roots. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, that's an that's an interesting one because that goes all the way back to the bid. Mm-hmm. If you can't, you know, you got to explain what's going on for them to understand what's going on. Yeah. You know, and to communicate it in a way that they can understand. Yeah, you know? not just that scientific like. We're retrenching this tree to make sure that there's not, you know, to make sure it has a dominant lead. Right. You yeah, know, you it, can't just read the work order back to them. Mm-mm. No. Most of the time, you have to yeah, find a different way to explain yeah. it to them. Yeah, they read the work order. You know, they, they've they already done that, so you got to figure out how to... Yeah, they can probably read it again. Yeah. They're not getting anything new. It's kind of like a mechanic where, like, most people that bring their car to the mechanic, they're like, yeah, you're going to need a valve adjustment. They're like, uh... Uh, how much does that cost? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me a bit of a bid that I just recently did. Um, so I came out there and it was two maples um, and one of them had a, a tear out on it. And the, the wife came over and approached me because I was doing a, a job at a, an adjacent property. And she was like, hey, can you come over and take a look at our trees when you're done with that? And so I went over there and I looked at the trees. Hey, yeah, we had a tree service out here. We weren't really happy with what they did. Um, you know, we... We wanted them to bring the trees down. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And they're, they're, I looked across the, uh, at the adjacent property, and the tree had been topped. And the, the previous company, they did good work. They went through and they thinned it. They didn't top the tree. They didn't do anything shitty to it, right? But they weren't happy with it because it wasn't explained to them what was going on. Mm. And they thought it was going to get topped. And you know, Nobody sat down with them and was like, okay, we don't top trees because X, Y, and Z. And then I walked them through like, okay, so – if I make a cut right here, it's going to, you know, decay into here, blah, blah, blah. I, I went through that whole process with them. I could tell that they understood it afterwards, and they were like, and I was like, yeah, you know, the arborists who did this work, they did good work. They just didn't explain it to you properly. Yep. So that's communication I mean, communication, breakdown. Communication breakdown, yeah. right? Again, you've got the, maybe you don't have the relationship, and maybe you don't have the. Um, problem solving. Well, I, they probably had the problem solving, but they don't have the relationship or the communication aspect, so. Yeah. No good. Yeah, and that... That's a good point. Yeah, and that goes back to how really the flow is developed in the bid, right? Because we were even talking about earlier how the, you know, a lot of times the first thing is you do is go over the work order with your team yeah. and talk about what you're doing. It all starts with uh, if you show up on time and if your truck is clean and, and sharp looking. Yeah. You know, if if you got those two boxes checked then chances are that they're going to be more receptive and want to be, you know, working together. But if if you're, uh, you know, showing up 20 minutes late and, you know, it 
I don't know, your car says wash me on it or something. Yeah. You know, they're going to be like, oh, I don't know. Is this guy really a professional? Your truck says questioning on the on the side of the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that that goes to really, it's in, you know, we're getting to this. It's the setup. You that know, if stage is the flow. Yeah, if you're, you set up the flow. You know, you, sh- you have a, a work order that is really clearly communicated. Mm-hmm. So that you can really line out your crew when you get there. Yes. Not only that, but hopefully you've gone over everything and you make sure you got all the gear you need because that's another thing that'll kill your flow. If you show up and you don't have a piece of gear you need, oh, that that's going to set everything off, you know? And so you, you set up your gear, you set up the work order, you show up, you know, well rested and ready to go. And that's going to set yourself up to be able to, uh, just super efficiently hit hit the ground running. Yeah, the one piece of gear, it, it's, it's funny, but the one piece of gear that was always the limiting factor um, in when I first started in tree care was a block. Like, mm. we had like two blocks. We, we ran like three or four crews, right? But we had two blocks. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was so... And, and that keep, block... Keep telling these stories. Yeah, yeah. Keegan I, needs I, to I, hear yeah. about this. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so bad because this one block would... Or these these one or two blocks that we had would fucking disappear all the goddamn time. <laughs> well, the other crew had them. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, well, the crew had them. Or they, and they would hide them in their bag. Yeah. Hide them in that's their what bag. I'd be doing. Yeah. I'd take the block and I'd shove it at the bottom that, of my gear bag. That's what I wound up doing as one of the crew leaders. I'm just like, this block is just living with me every single time. <laughs> but no, no, people would just like leave them on the job site or they would just disappear. And it was just, ah, it was awful. Yeah. It, it wasn't a chipper. It wasn't, I mean, those were problems. They're too. just so easy to lose. You know, we, or Keegan, Keegan orders our gear. You know, he does all the, he kind of oversees the inventory and gear purchasing. And uh, he's like, Rob, we got a problem, man. We're, we're losing a lot of blocks. You <laughs> know, like they're just disappearing, you know. And so we just, Originally, we <clears throat> made rigging bags for each truck, and then now we're inventorying the rigging bags every day uh-huh. and do a full inventory on every rigging bag every day. And it, has it fixed the problem, do you think, so far? Completely. Completely fixed the problem. So it's yeah. a system problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, which most things are. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we had uh, the complete opposite of a system, so that's probably what our problem was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, you don't have... And you only have two. <laughs> you know, I think that's... A, yeah. That, easy to lose. <laughs> between four crews, <laughs> two blocks. <laughs> we lost half our blocks. <laughs> so now we only have one. <laughs> <laughs> four crews fighting for one block. Yeah. No, I think having having the gear set up in advance is a good way to do it. Ever since I've gotten those totes and I've them well organized and I know what piece of gear and because I set them up the day before I know exactly what's in each one. At the end of each job, I put the gear back away in the same tote in the same way. And that makes me know one it's kind of like doing that checklist you to make sure I got every, every time. you're inventorying it every time. There's no like, oh God, where did that uh, the rigging ring go? Which you know is that in the, my bag or is that in that box or, you know, yeah. and it just and yeah. you have to pay two hundred dollars for a new pulley if you lose it. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's so a different incentive. All of a sudden, Andrew's got these systems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not his boss's two hundred bucks that he's just <laughs> yeah. into the wind. It's his two hundred bucks. Well, uh, 
That that's very true. Although even when I was at Sperry, it was I was responsible for a lot of that stuff. So <laughs> like, damn it, we need to stick to the system, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we had checklists for a while yeah. there, you know, because you got it. You you know, it's it's one of those things that's easy to think that you're going to just grab everything. Our checklists back then were for making sure that we had everything for the day. Yeah. Right. Not when you got and back. The, right. These are more like yeah. inventory in that each each bag. bag. Is yeah. No. Fully it's inventory. it's a totally different thing, you know. But, um, but the the key is that you have something to go over. Yeah. You know, and make sure like this truck had two pulleys. This truck had two ropes. This truck had four yep. pole saws or whatever it was, and that way you can go over and make sure that that truck still has two pulleys. It still has two ropes. But I think. Uh, a big part of kind of hearing this story also is make sure you're, if you're a company owner, make sure your company has the gear they need. Cause it sounds like a lot, a $200 pulley, you know, that $200, but how much money did they lose? Cause they had a whole crew of people that was, you know, maybe it took another half hour, 45 minutes looking for all the gear every single day yeah. that they, they didn't have. I mean, or they had to pull off a job because they didn't have a fucking block to lower out the or top. They tried exactly. They used the wrong kind of block because they didn't have a big enough and one. And then they smashed a yeah. fucking shed or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, these are, that is the cost of not spending $200 on yeah. that pulley for that truck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a big part of making sure you have the workflow is making sure you got all the gear to do your job. Oh, yeah. Asa came to me. He was like, Keegan's ordering $3,000 of pulleys. I was like, yeah, well, we have six trucks now. <laughs> they all need pulleys. <laughs> yeah. It's like two pulleys a truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really is. Yeah. yeah. It's like, whoa, you got, but you got to spend it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I don't think there's been one time when I've been like, no, we can't buy that. No. You know? And we, pretty- we always use it like two days after we get it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Everything we get. Yeah. Have you tried to sell them on the Reeve yet? Like Keanu? <laughs> <laughs> Are all your trucks outfitted with all the gear you need all the time? Or is there like stuff in the shop? Like you're running in, grabbing saws to load in in the morning. Like what's that like? Um. Well, I could tell you or Keegan could. Yeah. The only things we really keep in the shop are the rigging bags, chainsaws, and everyone's climbing gear. Okay. Everything else, we keep the trucks outfitted, and we have people assigned to inventory everything that stays on the trucks. Nice. nice. So, so the one goal... Thing, I the work, go, or go ahead. That was me. Go ahead. Oh, the goal is to have everything fully inventoried for each truck mm-hmm. and then have a whole nother inventory for one truck at the shop. Okay. And then as that gets depleted refill it so that we basically have everything that we need always. I see. Even if we break something or lose something. Yeah. So I we're one a, step ahead. Worked for a company, <laughs> and the, the, the trucks just weren't really outfitted to keep gear on them, you know, mm. just the way they were. So it was in the shop, and every morning we would get together, and it was okay. You know, I'd be like, okay, everyone, you're going here, you're going here. You guys need this. You guys need this. It, it wasn't too hard it worked out okay but i did the numbers one time and realized the labor hours we were spending each day yeah. doing that it was yeah. crazy i think it was like four labor hours it was a small small company yeah, yeah. but 100 bucks a day adds up Dude, yeah yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. freaking dollars a day yeah, yeah. every couple of days you're buying a new pulley yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah. yeah, yeah. you lost it on the job site <laughs> yeah one of the two 
yeah, a lot of these trucks now are really built to keep everything locked up and nice and on there. Yes, yeah. it depends on where you're parking it too, if you want to keep all that stuff on there. But. Yeah, in my experience, I hear um, about so many stories where people get ripped off yeah. with their trucks. If you park them outside of a gated yard yeah. in a parking lot somewhere along those lines, it just expect that yeah. someone's going to come steal all your stuff because they know there's thousands of dollars of equipment in there. Yeah. It just happens. I've heard about it so many times. I've talked to so many people that say, "Oh, if you if you see a, a four sixty two with a you know such and such on it, give me a call." It's yeah. gone. That's yeah, part of that's it. Part just, of it yeah, <laughs> a lot of people get their stuff ripped off. Yeah. Happened yeah. to Corey. Yeah, yeah, it yeah Corey. Happen to oh, it happened to Corey. Yeah, happened to, happened to Nate. Yeah, yeah. You know when he, he was at he, that church. <laughs> yeah, his his yard now is in a gnarly spot. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know where it's at kind of cool to be in the shit but kind of not to <laughs> <laughs> feel alive yeah. well that is Very the similar. definition of in the shit yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so let's get into the neighbors a little bit oh yeah oh yeah we're, we're, we're gonna talk about that one yeah that, that was a one. tangent yeah. Yeah. yeah we do those well, oh, and i love a good tangent but we got to reel ourselves in every now and then that will definitely grind the flow to a halt and it's usually the tree that's half on one property and half on another. You can't drop a single twig or a single leaf on my property yeah. or I will sue you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the one of the things with neighbors that can be an awkward position to be put in is when they ask, um, what are you doing to the tree and how much does it cost? Yeah. It's none of their information. None of their business, what you're doing to the tree or how much it's costing necessarily. 99% of the time, it's probably okay to tell them what you're doing to it. And probably, you know, 50% of the time, it's probably fine to tell them how much you're charging them. But 50%'s not a good number, yeah, that, though. Let's <laughs> flip on a coin at that point. That's but, but that's the sort of thing that people should have policies for, you know, and that. Yeah. You know, Michelle and I were just working on a policy for exactly that. You know, just explaining that we don't discuss prices and information about bids because this is a contract between you and the client, and it has nothing to do with the neighbor. Yeah. You know, but then it gets interesting when the neighbors, when the tree is halfway on their property or, mm -hmm. you know, like that, uh, it sounds like that Sequoia in oh, Portland, yeah. you know, then it gets interesting. The neighbors. Mm-hmm. What's that neighbor scene looking like? I don't know too much about it yet. Like I said, I'm going to go meet this guy soon, and I'll know a lot more. Mm. But the the story is there's a giant sequoia tree. Um, it's, was it, nine-foot nine diameter in between two properties, and it's kind of uh, hurt the foundation of the neighboring house, you know. Yeah. And that's really all I know right now. I know that house has been abandoned for three years because of the structural issues. And that and that's that's all I got. You know, but it's uh, save this. I think it's save the sequoia. If you want to go check it out, let me get that for sure. And we'll, oh, nice, nice. This this is a little uh, promo. Yeah, and we'll yeah. one uh, we'll do an episode, upcoming episode on it, or not on it in particular. But I want to do an episode on stewardship because I think that's a big thing that we do as arborists is we're taking care of these trees that you know a lot of them will be here long after we're gone. Or at least they could be. Yeah. And so what we're doing is stewardship. Yeah. And this uh, Sequoia project, 
here we go off on a tangent again. It's yeah. It's sequoiastanding.org. To go check it out and know what we're talking about here. And One dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, <laughs> whatever you can. Or just the read the story and form your opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I you know what be interesting to talk about. If you want to give money, give money. But I I like what you said there. Read the story and form your opinion. You know, I don't want to tell you what to do. I just want to inform you that it's something to look into. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I was actually just at a job that had the similar issue where the tree on one person's property that they loved the tree, it was an apple tree, but it was going and uh, 20 feet away across the property line underneath the neighbor's house. You can see the beginning of a crack in their foundation. Yeah. And the neighbor wants them to cut it down. They get along great. They're friends. They're, they, you know, there's no tension in this. They both recognize that it's an issue. Mm -hmm. They both see the value in the tree, but there's still a problem. Yeah. And yeah. so they, you know, they hired us. We, um, we started working, uh, with the city to be doing these root pruning projects. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we did a bunch of research and figured out that, uh, with a hot saw, you can get, a um, a root cutting blade on a hot saw that you can dive down and, and do root printing. Yeah. You know, another option would be if you wanted to like for that tree, it sounds like it'd probably may, may be more appropriate to get an air spade and air spade a trench and then do some proper pruning cuts on the roots. And that might be more it'd beneficial. Be, yeah. It'd be a big project. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if, if, if you get some funding, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and they want to keep the tree, that might be what's necessary in order to satisfy the neighbor's needs. You know, you could mm -hmm. trench along the neighbor's house and put one of those sidewalk barriers in there and yeah. you don't have to worry anymore. Right. So, and yeah, check that video out, but I'll try to reel the tangent in a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> What I like where you're going with the policy. So in my mind, it's good to have a policy where you don't, you know, I'm not going to talk about money of my, you know, my, I don't talk about the money on my client's bid. Yeah. But I don't really see a problem with talking about the pruning that we're doing. Cause theoretically you're about to see the pruning work. You know I mean? They're probably not going to hire you to do it if they want you to keep it a secret that you're doing it. And it's, it's also part of like an educational outreach piece. You know, you could be saying, yeah. like, why aren't you removing this tree or why aren't you topping this tree? And then you could say, well, I'm retrenching it because mm -hmm. X, Y, Z, or I'm doing this for this and why. And you know, that's, it's, it's, yeah, it's part of that educational and outreach, that communication part. And so that, that feeds back into the flow. If you are really educated on what you're doing, and if you build that ability to talk to a, an upset client, you're going to be able to keep that job flowing. When they, when someone comes out frustrated, if you get caught up in an hour long back and forth with them about why you're not supposed to be or should be on this property, you're ground to a halt for an hour. But if you can educate them on the benefit of what you're doing, if you can, you know, kind of sell them on what you sold the client, you know, that, I mean, that's not going to solve every problem. Sometimes that person comes out that just wants to be upset. Yeah, and they've been staring at that tree for 50 years, and they're they're pissed about it, and they're not going to not be pissed about it. And there's something to be said to learning how to identify that as well mm -hmm. and yeah. just nip it in the bud. Yep. So like, hey, sorry, we're here to do the job. Yep, exactly. Hey, we're just the worker bees. You know, if you have a problem, you should probably talk to your neighbor. I, I don't feel comfortable, you know, talk, talking for them. You know, something like that. That way you can get to work. 
or you can get your neighbor and have them figure it out or uh, get your client and have them figure it out, you know? So, uh, that, that can be uh, a good point for the flow as well as being able, you know, understanding those dynamics with the neighbors and then having a strategy, having policies to deal with them. Yeah. I, I can't think of, uh, an example that, um, it would be an issue to communicate job specifications, you know, that, but at the same time, I'm sure that at some point in history, there's been some time where someone wasn't supposed to know about something and it was discussed <laughs> and it was a bit of an issue that everything's happened. But so I, that's not the same as money, yeah. which is a little more touchy, but, uh, you know, developing those policies and trying to roll it out and train people as they come on and making sure everybody's on the same page is important. It costs a lot of money. It's an investment, but it um, reduces the likelihood that you're going to be facing other challenges, you know, and it's worth it. In my experience, you know, the investment in organization and investment in policies has definitely been worth it in the long run. Not in the short run. If you only want to run your business for a month, then that's one thing. Yeah. If you want to run it for years and years in the future, then it's worth it to put that footwork in. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back to preparation. I think we keep going back to that, like being prepared. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one thing, I, when thinking about this episode and what workflow was, what came up to me was Rob. I don't remember what episode it was on or even if it was on the podcast. Maybe we were just talking. Yeah. But you had talked about when bringing on a new person, training a new person, you, 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 uh, try to instill in them the idea of knowing when to turn it on mm. and when to kind of turn it off and focus and pay attention and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's huge. You know, that that's, if you can understand the right time to pump it up, just like Andrew was saying earlier, talking about like, uh, people that are really gung ho, and wanting to get it done and, like, saying, all right, I'll bet you I can haul more logs than you can, you know, yeah. pushing, pushing, pushing. It's like, that's awesome at the right time. Right time. Yeah. But that's not awesome all the time. Mm -hmm. If yeah. you got someone that's doing that 100% of the time, then, for one, it's unsafe. And for two, other people aren't really going to appreciate that kind of energy. You need a balance, you know. And <clears throat> it's interesting. We had a guy named Nino working for us that uh, he – he was just even Steven steady all day long. I mean, there was very little change in his um, output throughout the day. And he got just as much work as the people that are super gung-ho, but then stop and are on their phone for a little while and then, you know, stop and need to take a break because they're tired and this and that. But it was so much safer and so much more pleasant to be around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, it it's a balance. And, and for anybody getting into the industry, you know, it's important to to pump it up. But don't try and overprove yourself. Yeah. You know, that that's not, at least not at Sperry Tree Gear. <laughs> yeah. Know? If you're just gung-ho all the time and trying to out-compete everybody else that you're working around, then people aren't going to want to work with you as much as if yeah. you have a level head and you're safe. And you and you wait until you know the job and you know when it's appropriate to really pump it up. And, I mean, sometimes, you know, you got a 100, 100 foot ascent into a fur and it's just a straight ascent. It's like, yeah, 
challenge yourself see if you can do it in one go right yeah you know yeah, what yeah. i mean and and put all you got into making it up to the top you know but if you're uh, at the top of a sketchy you know situation then slow it down don't yeah. feel like you need to make the cut because you have to get it done fast think about what you're doing and go through all the scenarios in your head yeah i feel like as new new people they can get um as someone new to the profession you can get kind of caught in that it's like always have to go really fast and I have to prove myself and all this. It's, it's not that it's, it's definitely what you're saying. It's piecemeal. It like go really fast to the chipper, like run this log to the yeah. really fast, the chipper, but then slow it down because you haven't used a chipper before and then feed it in slowly. And then you can run back and grab yeah. another piece. You can do that. Yep. And if that, I need a pull saw, run to the truck and get me a pull saw. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm going to love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that goes a lot to understanding the personalities you're working with and understanding the situation you're in is kind of what we're talking about. You know, you got to, like, that worked really good for me to challenge me that way. Some people, you challenge them head on, and they're that's not going to, you know, they're going to take it wrong, and they're going to be like, mm. what do you mean I you can carry more, and it's going to become this negative thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a competitive you know? person, though. Exactly. So that, that fits with your personality. And I'm easygoing. I yeah. know that I, I didn't take it on like he was putting me down. Yeah, I knew, you know, I knew I was like, sweet, let's do this. You know, we would do it with the throw ball, right? Exactly. In a shot, you're like, well, I'll get my cue out. And then, and then they get the shot. <laughs> oh, I, I, I ride Corey so hard yeah, with the yeah. throw ball. It's so funny. Every goddamn day. Every yeah. goddamn like he's day. the kind of guy that's about to break. And so I just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Right to the edge of sanity. So right Corey's laughing hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just smearing the Joker makeup on. <laughs> I got it. Before we move all the way on from neighbors, I got to tell oh, a yeah. story. Okay. This is this yeah, is one it. of the best neighbor stories I've ever heard. Um, so a uh, uh, guy that Andrew and I used to work with was working with a um, kind of fly by night. You know, didn't really have his shit together. He was probably high on drugs, and um, he sold. He sold this job. It's a removal. They're following the tree. He gets the rope set up in it. And um, our buddy was pulling on the rope. And uh, so he makes his face cut, his back cut. And he didn't leave very much holding wood. And he's freaking out because the guy couldn't pull it over. And they're going, what are we going to do? So he runs over to the well, tree and he starts pulling on the rope. They real, can't pull real it quick, over. Let me set the stage. This is on a Saturday, and you're hanging out at this at the house next door, just like on the weekend, and you're probably 19 years old at the time. I wasn't there. Okay, I might be thinking of a different story. I'm thinking of a different. Was so, this Yaniv's? No, no. Okay, okay, I'm thinking no. of a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah there, that one's a really Wh good one which too. Is, it That's sounds very similar. Yeah, That's another great neighbor story. This is a common scene. <laughs> so the trees, the tree, <laughs> the face cut ends, the back cuts in, and they don't got much hole in wood, and the tree's not going anywhere, like not even budging, and they're yanking on it as hard as they can, and nothing. And uh, so they, he just started going door to door and got all the neighbors to come out. <laughs> and he got like six or eight neighbors all pulling on this fucking rope <laughs> and nothing's shit. happening. Holy the shit. tree's still not coming over, you know? So they got the neighborhood all out there pulling on this rope, oh trying to yank gosh. the tree over. And then <laughs> How many trucks can we hook up? <laughs> <laughs> and then this really, uh, really large woman came out. I mean, a full on... 
like triple quadruple XL uh-huh. woman came out and just grabbed that rope and fucking yanked it over <laughs> the whole drink. Oh man! Yeah, so that's that's a good neighbor story. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fantastic. I picture her walking over and pulling on the rope, and everybody, all other eight they neighbors, all, all fall over. Yeah. <laughs> she just yanked over the tree, and yeah. That's oh. awesome. Good old Mark Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark Alexander. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's I, so funny. <laughs> going door to door. Hey, can you come help me pull this over? <laughs> wow. I, I was thinking of a story where uh, Rob was going to, and correct me, I wasn't there, so you correct it me if Yaneve's I was wrong. House, yeah, yeah, it was Yaneve's house. I've heard the story a couple <laughs> times. And Rob's hanging out over at Yaneve's house, and it's a weekend, and Rob's probably like 19, 20 years old. And he skateboarded over to Yaniv's house just to hang out and play video games or something. And they're removing this giant cottonwood. Huge cottonwood. Right next door. And there's a guy, the climber up in the tree, and he decides he's just going to send this. It was the top, right? Yeah. He's going to send top. this massive top out. But he, he, it, he had it on a redirect. The rope was tied off. He had a pull line on it. It was redirected to an apple tree and then to their driveway. But it was wet out. And they had a... a just a regular non four wheel drive like F one fifty. Yeah. That's just peeling out in the mud. Oh jeez. <laughs> There's not doing anything. Oh shit. And he's got this tweaker on the ground. He's eighty feet up in this cottonwood with like a thirty foot, forty foot top above him that's <laughs> leaning over the house and it's gonna fall on the house. Oh no. And the truck's just peeling out. There's nothing they can do. <laughs> the guy's up in the tree and he's freaking oh, out and he's God. cutting his holding wood. <laughs> And he's cutting more and cutting more. And I'm like, and oh, it, my God, I ran. I'm all, stop, stop. I'm all jumping out Isn't there. he like a 50-year-old? He was a fireman. He was like a, an old, he, but he's like a, like he was, a he old. Was a, yeah, he was probably in his 40s. He was an old-timer. Old-timer fireman. With his, and, with his chain, you know, lanyard. Oh, yeah. and, oh. and and 19-year-old like, Rob on his skateboard I'm comes running out going, stop, stop. Don't cut your holding wood, man. <laughs> I'm all, don't cut your holding wood. Yelling up at him way up there. And he's all, what should I do? (laughs) 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 To this kid that's on the ground. (laughs) Obviously, I know what I'm talking about. I'm saying, don't cut your holding wood. Kid kid rolls up on a skateboard talking about holding (laughs) wood. It literally happened. (laughs) And uh, so I'm all, we need to connect something to the front axle of this F-250 and pull the whole thing over, you know. And sure enough, Yaniv's friend had a Hummer Four-wheel drive on, like, <laughs> on like 22-inch rims that are all crumbed out and everything. And it was hilarious. We pull the Hummer over and hook it up to the old 150 and just yank this whole top of this cottonwood over. It saved him. Oh, my God. It, there's nothing he could have done. Wow. He would have cut, cut through his holding wood and smashed the it's exactly out of that He would either wow. die or hit the, he definitely would have hit the house. I mean, he was leaning over the house. And... uh Talk about being in a bad position. That guy was in a bad position. I, I just picture Rob skateboarding in a way like, you never cut your holding mud. I did. I literally did. I did. I literally skateboarded off in my velour jumpsuit when I was like 19 years old. And was like, never cut your holding mud. And like skateboarded off. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Old school <laughs> stories from the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are a couple of good ones. Uh, well, <sighs> seems like we've really uh, picked the bone on workflow. I don't know. Anybody have anything else they want to add to that? 
No. Uh, before we do closing thoughts or anything, do we want to do your five-star review? Oh, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. We got another five-star review. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. Shout yeah. out. Shout out. Yeah, yeah. shout out. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Before you pull it up, before you read it, just simple yes or no. Is it from Latvia? No, no, it's not from Latvia. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. But there's at least one person that listens to us in Latvia. Shout out to Latvia. What's this review on? On iTunes, yeah. We got a uh, another five-star review. Uh, favorite tree climbing podcast from Tree People Yoga. He's somebody oh, that okay. follows on Instagram. Check out his Instagram. He talk, He That's has so a bunch of crazy videos. So funny. Yeah, all kinds of stretches and product reviews. And, yeah, it, it's pretty awesome. And, uh, yeah, he gave five stars. The hosts of the Tree Thinking Podcast integrate useful tips and funny stories. <laughs> five stars. Hey, thank you very much, Tree People Yoga. Uh We've talked to him about coming on and kind of talking about uh, we we want to do an episode about taking care of your body and extending mm. your career that way. So we were hoping to have him on for that. We'll see when that happens. Um, but yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for giving us a review, and uh, hopefully yeah. we'll talk to you soon. He's got stuff on his Instagram, like you know, downward facing dog is a yoga mm-hmm. position. He does downward facing log, and he'll like. I think he like carved a dog out of a log, like for the video, like, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. The zigzag pencil zigzag stretch kind of thing. Like, yeah, oh, he does nice, cool stuff. Nice doing the the tree guy poses. Yeah, he did like the porter wrap wrap. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I saw the porter. Yeah, it's so funny. It always makes me smile. And then nice. he didn't he make a figure eight out of wood? Yeah, I think so. I think that was like a challenge, right? Yeah, he made a figure eight out of wood that worked. Oh. He, he was tied in twice, you know. He's like, I definitely would not do this if I wasn't tied in twice. But I mean, how, how else are you going to test it, though? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, yeah, thanks for the uh, thanks for the five-star review. If anybody wants to uh, have their five-star review on there or read on the podcast, then just, yeah, just make a five-star review and we read them all. Um, Every single last one when we remember it. When we remember it, yeah, that one might have been a week or two ago. I may have <laughs> forgot it. One, I don't check the five star reviews that often, unfortunately. So we'll we, get we to get, it eventually. We there. get so many of them; we're inundated, yeah. literally yeah. inundated yeah. with these things. Does inundated mean five? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this case, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with that, let's go to uh, tips and tricks. Anybody have any tips and tricks with workflow? Or do we want to just go to final thoughts? I think we kind of went over tips and tricks. Just have a good attitude. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. To help workflow from the climber's uh, position is, like I said earlier, realizing how many people you have on the ground and what their capabilities are. You know, you can make the job flow real nice and everyone's having a good time. Maybe you didn't need to build this rigging system that you did, but you did, and it's still smooth. Everything's getting done on time. Or you got six people, and you can just make a salad. (laughs) (laughs) And and if you're you're swamping the one poor ground person, and you're just going so fast, you think it's so cool, you're definitely the only one that thinks that that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) You you are the asshole. (laughs) Yeah, That'd be my tip. Kind of read that as a climber. Yeah. I'd, nice. I'd kind of uh, go with that and just say, 
be aware of your situation and be aware of the people you're working with because it'll be a different strategy and uh, workflow is not a fixed thing. It's a, uh, it's an ever changing thing. It's, you know, you kind of doing a dance with the situation at hand and figuring out what needs to be done. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, you guys had me convinced. I think it's, you can either, you can set the tone you as an individual, whether you're the climber, whether you're a crew lead, whether you're just a simple groundsman, you can set the tone for the entire job. You know, you can elevate, you can, tell everybody else to build their own stool or you can let them pull you down onto their level. So it's, it's really up to you and you can, yeah. you can set that workflow however you want to want to set it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All the stool talk. I gotta, I gotta say something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I, I don't get it. Can you, can you <laughs> Yeah. Just teach people how to build their own stool. Yeah, there's there's just a stool <laughs> load of information here. You can you can literally make your own stool. <laughs> you can soften it. Soft yeah. 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 Well, it's it's better. If it's, 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 it, it's better if it's hard though. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll edit all this out. No. <laughs> uh, this is the best part. I know. <laughs> um. Just make a damn stool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to final thoughts. I, somehow we have an hour and 45 minutes of this stool. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I thought the stool was the final. That was my final thoughts. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say. I already said stool like six times. That's the only stool analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best. <laughs> All right, Rob, final final thoughts. thoughts. All right. Um, Just, uh, you know, it's great to come here and and spend the time doing this. It's always, life always gets busy, but it's one of those things where you're like, oh, man, when you do it, you're like, this is why I do it. (laughs) Same thing as tree work, you know. Thinking about it, it seems kind of hard, and then you get in that position, you're like, this is why I do it. <laughs> you find yourself in the flow. Yeah, find yourself and you're in the stoked flow about and it. feeling good. <laughs> we finally got into the flow. <laughs> yeah. Stool's flowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to get another five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I'll do some scary stuff. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Four star. <laughs> that guy in that cottonwood. Yeah, his yeah. stools were definitely flowing. <laughs> so I was going to give you five stars, but there were too many stool jokes. So yeah. it's only four. All right, All right Keegan. Keegan. What are your final thoughts? I think final thoughts as far as workflow, it's just always setting the example how yeah. the job you want, how you want the job to go. Just keeping staying steady, but also just working fast enough to keep everybody else. Perfect. Nice. I think mine's kind of similar to his, his, but if if the job's going bad, there's some quote, I don't know who said it, it's be the change you want to see, right? Yeah, Gandhi. 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 (laughs) Yeah, take that. Uh, (laughs) 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 No, take that. (laughs) Jamie just went from (laughs) stool jokes to Gandhi. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got another like six stool jokes, but I think I'll refrain. Um, <laughs> I'll hold them in. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I think it's all about setting the intention and um, you know making. 
your attitude and you know being able to communicate what the work uh, what the what the job's going to entail and you know being very deliberate about uh, the job beforehand and setting yourself up for success can go a long way towards actually making sure that the job is a success because you can you can torpedo a job even in the bid stage of the the game long before mm-hmm. the job has even started so you know be very intentional all the way throughout the the job you know have um, make sure that you're you're doing the best that you can to make sure that that job is successful. And then I think your workflow will kind of just flow out of that. Nice. Um, <clears throat> for my final thoughts, one, we bring Keegan on and the stool jokes are just <laughs> right and left. <laughs> I don't know what to say, Keegan. <laughs> um, he but, knows how to build his own stool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think it comes down to three things. You know, if I'm going to sum it up, you want to make sure you prep, make sure you plan, and make sure you have good leadership. Uh, if you can, you know, cover those, if you make sure, you know, you're ready to go, you set the crew up, and then while it's running, you're you're just staying on top of it, making sure uh, the leadership is keeping the flow going in the right direction, uh, you should be good to go. And uh, with that, I'd st- say stay safe and watch your top knot. Yeah. <laughs>